Tell me who had believed, had believed our report, and to whom is it revealed, the mighty arm of the Lord. Hello, I'm Kathy Davidson. I'd like you to join me and the ministers of music from Water of Life Church here in Plano, Texas, as we minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. On Christmas Eve in 1885, a little boy named Eugene Monroe Bartlett was born in Waynesville, Missouri. Later on, his family moved to Sebastian County, Arkansas, in a little town that is called Hartford. Eugene was a gifted musician, and he became a much sought-after music teacher. You know, he grew up to be quite a gospel songwriter. During his lifetime, he composed over 800 songs, and he's considered one of the founding fathers of Southern gospel music. In 1918, he founded the Hartford Music Company, one of the first publishers of Southern gospel music. In 1921, he went ahead and founded the Hartford Music Institute. You know, that institute had a student there that was there only by the generosity of Mr. Bartlett, and that student's name was Albert E. Brumley. The same year he founded the Institute, he published and became the author of the Herald Song Music Magazine. The magazine covered some of the well-known quartets of the day, the Blue Ridge Quartet, the Blackwood Brothers, the Stamps Quartet, and Hovey Lister and the Statesman. Eugene Bartlett suffered a stroke in 1939, which left him partially paralyzed. He could no longer travel or perform, but that did not stop him from writing. The very last song he wrote exemplifies his confidence, his faith, knowing where he was headed. And here it is, ministered by the My Girls and Glenda Shane, Victory in Jesus.
to title this week's program, How Do We Believe? I'm not going to give you 15 steps of faith or five steps of believing or three steps to prosperity. I'm just going to give you the Word of God in some of my own experience. And I'm going to begin in Mark 1, verse 14. Now, after that John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. So what are our instructions from Jesus? He said to repent ye and believe the gospel. Repent ye means to change your mind, change what you're thinking, and believe the gospel instead. And we have gone over this many times, but what is the definition of the gospel? What are we supposed to believe? Well, you'll find that in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. And this is Paul speaking. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. Notice Paul also says, We have to believe the gospel. Verse 2, By which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you first of all which I also received, and here is the gospel. How? That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. What does the gospel give us? Why do we believe the gospel? Because the gospel is the power of God according to Romans 1.16. And what does that gospel give us? It forgives our sins. It justifies us. It heals us. It delivers us from the power of the devil. It makes us rich. It made us righteous. It sanctifies us and so many other things. And all of that is done in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But why don't we see it in our own lives? Why don't we see it happen to us? Because we don't believe. Now, how do we believe then? How do we believe that gospel? I want us to go to Luke 4 because Jesus gives us a great example of what he did when he had to believe, when he had to put off temptation. And I'm going to begin in verse 1, Luke 4. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. Notice, for 40 days he was tempted of the devil, not just that last day. And in those days he did eat nothing, and when they were ended, he afterward hungered. Now, if you remember, Jesus was tempted. When you think about that for just a minute, Jesus being tempted, you know, there are certain foods that you cannot tempt me with because I don't like them. There are certain things that you cannot tempt me with because they're not in my heart. I don't want them. But it states here in Luke 4 that Jesus was tempted. So those things had to be in his heart and he had to want them. So let's go on. It states in verse 3, And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Now remember here, Jesus is tempted because he's hungry. He's a man like you and I, and now he's hungry. So the devil tempts him. He said, If thou be the Son of God, command this stone that it be made bread. Now how did Jesus overcome that temptation? And Jesus answered him saying, It is written. How did he combat the devil? He said, it is written. 
And he goes on to say that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. You know, that's a good thing to consider. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And then the devil takes him up into a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them. For it is delivered unto me and whomsoever I will, I give it. Now, how did Jesus overcome that temptation? He states it in verse eight. And Jesus answered and said unto him, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written. Again, he comes back with it is written. So how do we see here how Jesus is combating the devil? He combats him with the word of God. And again, the last temptation that we read about in Luke 4, the devil comes to him and he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on a pinnacle of the temple and said, if thou be the son of God, cast thyself down from thence. For it is written, he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee. And in their hands, they shall bear thee up, lest any time thy dash thy foot against a stone. Here he's tempting Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, it is said. It is said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Jesus combated the devil with the word of God. Why? Why did Jesus use the word of God? If you read in Psalm 119, 89, it states forever, O Lord, thy word, thy word is settled in heaven. And John 10, if you go to John 10, 34, 35, 34, Jesus answering them said, is it not written in your law? I said, you are God's. And if he called them God's unto whom the word of God came and notice this next statement, he says, and the scripture cannot be broken. Jesus used the word of God because the word of God cannot be broken. Jesus used the word of God because it's settled in heaven. The word of God, you can stand on it. It is truth. And Jesus states here, the scripture cannot be broken. That is why Jesus used the word of God to combat the devil. And what happened when Jesus used that word to combat the devil? When he spoke that word back to the devil, what happened? You will find what happened in Romans 3 verse 7. I love this verse because it opened to me an answer of why our believing works. Or verse 7 of Romans 3, it states, For if the truth of God, that's the word of God, if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory. Right here, it shows us that the word of God is stronger than anything. The word of God is mightier than our feelings. The word of God is stronger than our circumstances. And it's more powerful than what our eyes see. It cannot be broken. When we believe, trust in, adhere to, cling to the word of God above what we see and what we feel or what we think, the circumstances around us. When we hang on to the word of God, it states right here in Romans 3 that the truth of God more abounds through 
our lie. What is our lie? Our lie is what we see. Our lie is what we feel. Our lie is our circumstances. It's the word of God that is the truth. And when we adhere to that word of God above what we see or what we feel or what we hear, then that word will abound through the lie unto the glory of God and it manifests in front of us. I have a great example of this. This is one of the first times that I remember using my faith because I needed some money. I had some bills to pay. And this was back in the late 1980s. I was working as a grocery store sign maker. If you remember back in those days, we did not have the large printers that printed out your grocery store signage. We made the signs with large markers. And God had me working for a large grocery store, a large chain here in Texas. God gave me the job. I had no set hours and I came in on my own time, but I came in when I was needed the most. I remember I'd come in on Mondays because of the weekly specials, and then I would come in before the weekend for the weekend specials. And I would go visit the different departments. I would ask what signs they needed. Then I would go up to my area upstairs. I would make the signs and then come back down and deliver them. The job was a real blessing, but I learned real fast, no signs, no money. And this particular day, I remember coming in, I was determined to believe God so that I would have a lot of signs so that I would make some money to get my bills paid. And I came in with this verse in my heart, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. This is Paul speaking, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor, that you through his poverty, might be rich. I knew that Jesus on the cross became poor so that I would be rich. And this is the verse that I had in my heart, determined that there would be a lot of signs I needed to make so that I could make the money to pay my bills. I came in and visited every department. I went and asked the meat department. I went and asked the deli. I went and asked the bakery. I asked the drug and I asked the produce. You know, the produce department had a particular manager who frankly didn't like me. He liked to make his own signs and he had no problems telling me so. And I would kindly go there every week knowing that he had more signs needed than anyone else. And I would ask him, very politely, if he needed any signs. And he always had the same answer for me. No, I don't want any signs. I'm going to do my own signs. I don't need your help. So I would go on to the next department. Well, this particular day, I kept speaking this word to myself, to God, and to the devil. I walked in that store determined that there were going to be some signs for me to do so that I would make money. Did it look like there were going to be a lot of signs? No, not at all. Did I feel like I was going to make a lot of signs? No, I didn't feel that way at all. Were there any circumstances around that was going to prove that I was going to make a lot of signs? No, not any at all. But I determined that I was not going to look at anything else except that verse that Jesus became poor so that I was rich. 
That was the only thing I was going to look at. That was the only thing I was going to listen to. And I went to each department and they told me they didn't have any signs. I remember the meat department had two little dinky signs that they needed me to make. I don't think there were any signs in the other departments. And as usual, I made the trip to the produce department and kindly asked him, do you have anything I can do for you today? No, I don't have anything you can do for me, he replied. I make my own signs. I turned and headed to my office upstairs. I remember walking up the steps. I only had two small signs on my tablet, and there were days when I had hundreds, hundreds. I did not look at my tablet. I remember climbing those stairs, saying to myself and to God and to the devil, it is written, Jesus became poor so that I am rich. And I looked at that tablet again and I said, Jesus became poor so that I am rich. And I remember walking up those steps and just about every step I said, it is written. Jesus became poor that I might be rich. And I reached the top to my office and I set the tablet down and I started making two little signs saying to myself and to God and to the devil, Jesus became poor so that I might be rich. And as I was finishing the last of those two little signs, there came an announcement over the intercom. It was the store manager. He said, Kathy, I'd like you to meet me in the produce department. So I laid down my markers and I headed downstairs with my tablet. I always traveled with my tablet. And I met our store manager there and I remember him standing there and I remember them looking at the produce manager standing right next to him and the produce manager had a red face. He was not a happy man. And I said hello to the store manager and I said, what can I do for you? And the store manager looked at the produce manager and then he looked at me. And he pointed to all the large signs that were on one whole wall of that grocery store. And he said, do you see all these signs? I said, yes. He said, I want you to replace every one with your handwriting. He said, do you see all these signs on these tables? I said, yes. He said, I want you to replace every single one of these with your handwriting. You are going to do all the signs in the produce department from now on. Do you understand? I said, yes, sir. He said, thank you. And he turned and walked away. And I started writing down all the signs that I needed to do. You know, it didn't look good, but it became good. And I spent hours at that store that day making those signs. And I made all the money that was necessary for me to pay my bills. And you know where it came from? It came from just like it came to Jesus. It is written. May I convey to you that the word of God is stronger than what you feel. The word of God is stronger than what you see. The word of God is stronger than your circumstances. What does the word of God tell us? The word of God tells us to believe the gospel, to believe what happened when Jesus died for you. To believe all the things that happened when he was buried and went to hell for you. To believe, to adhere to, to trust in all the things that happened to us when Jesus was raised from the dead. 
I would like to finish this program with a beautiful song written here by a man named David Hickman for Water of Life Ministries, ministered here by the Brown Brothers. The title of the song, Grace to the Humble. I have learned years ago that you cannot walk with God without humility. And one of my first real lessons about walking in humility happened to me not long after I came to this ministry 30 years ago. It was a prayer meeting, and the leader of this ministry, Doyle Davidson, is a serious man after God, and he wanted to do some serious work in prayer. He asked the stronger prayers to sit up front, and those of us that were still learning to sit behind. In fact, he asked me to sit in the very back. So I went to the back of the room, and I sat in my chair. I closed my eyes. I wasn't offended, but I prayed with everything in me. And as I had my eyes closed and praying as hard as I could, I began to consider the parable that Jesus shared about one bidden to a wedding to take the lowest seat and then to be bidden to go up higher. And as I was considering that and considering about walking in humility and taking the lowest seat, I got a tap on the shoulder and it was Doyle. And he looked at me and he said, Kathy, go to the front row. I never forgot that lesson. Let the words of this song minister that grace to you. Give grace to the humble when they call. I give leanness to the prideful soul, living to them all. As the days are passing, will the prideful look to me? Like a humble spirit, be set free. I give grace. To the bow and they call. I give a leanness to the prideful soul, living to them all. As the days are passing, will the prideful look to me? Like a humble spirit, be set free. Can't you see your life is not your own? Come release your burdens at the foot of my throne. Walk with me in the spirit in the cool of the day. When this life is over, child, I'll take you away. I give grace. To the humble when they call I give a leanness to the prideful soul Living to them all As the days are passing Will the prideful look to me Like a humble spirit be set free Turn from all your busyness and strife. You thought I wanted labor, but I want your life. Give that precious something that you hold within your hands. Let me search your heart now. Tell me, don't you understand? I give grace. To the humble when they call I give a leanness to the prideful soul Living to them all As the days are passing 
the prideful look to me. Like a humble spirit, he sets free. Can't you see your life is not your own? Come release your burdens at the foot of my throne. Walk with me in the spirit in the cool of the day. When this life is over, child, I'll take you away. I give grace to the humble when they call. I give a leanness to the prideful soul, living to them all. As the days are passing, will the prideful look to me? Like a humble spirit, be set free. Give grace to the humble when they call. I give a leanness to the prideful soul, living to them all. As the days are passing, will the prideful look to me? Like a humble spirit, be set free. Thank you for joining me and the musicians from Water of Life Church. I would love to hear from you. You may reach me by email at Kathy, K-A-T-H-I-E, at Kathy Davidson, W-O-L.com, or you may write me at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, P.O. Box 861327, Plano, Texas, 75086. You may find me on the Internet at www.kathydavidsonwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.